We begin this evening in John 13 at verse 23. John 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. The broader context here is that Jesus is in the upper room uh, with his uh, disciples uh, the night before his crucifixion. And the uh, narrower context here in the middle of this chapter is that Jesus is in the course of identifying his uh, betrayer, of sharing with his disciples that Judas Iscariot uh, would uh, shortly betray him to death but in the midst of all of this we have this reference in verse 23 to one of the disciples whom Jesus loved and as many of you will be aware that is John's way of referring to himself in his gospel John the disciple John the apostle is writing uh, this gospel. And uh, when he refers uh, to himself, he uh, refers to himself on a number of occasions as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so he has often been referred to as uh, the beloved uh, disciple. Now we need to understand that this is not John indulging in self aggrandizement or seeking to uh, uh, put himself in uh, a category apart but rather he is seeking to be uh, self-effacing and he is seeking seeking to uh, magnify uh, Jesus love and just to let us know how blessed he felt uh, to be a disciple whom Jesus loved so when we come up against this phrase a number of times in John's gospel we are not to imagine that John was somehow in uh, some sort of uh, premier uh, league of, of disciples uh, and, and uh, uh, some kind of class of, of Christian uh, that we could never uh, possibly uh, attain to. But rather, this reference should uh, warm our hearts regarding uh, the love of the Lord Jesus uh, for his people. And should impress upon us time and again that there is always more of Jesus' love uh, to be known and felt. Every true Christian is a disciple whom Jesus loves in the general sense. If Jesus didn't love us then we wouldn't be his disciples. But we should always want to know and to feel more of Christ's love. We should always have a holy discontent with our present level of Christian experience. We should always desire to go deeper and to rise higher and to experience more of our Saviour's love. So our theme for a few minutes this evening from John's Gospel is experiencing more of Jesus' love. Experiencing more of Jesus' love, that we might uh, be encouraged to uh, plumb the depths and scale the heights of our Saviour's love. And we're going to explore this theme by just looking briefly at the five occasions 
in John's Gospel where he refers to himself in uh, this manner as a disciple or the disciple whom uh, Jesus loved. Because I think a case can be made uh, that the places where John refers to himself like this are, are significant. They're not just accidental, uh, but they are, they are significant. And we can learn from the, the context of each of these references uh, something about what it, what it meant for John uh, to, uh, to know and to feel uh, the love of the Lord Jesus and uh, something of what it can mean for us uh, to experience more of Jesus' love. They teach us, these references, uh, something about what it means to live as those who are dearly loved by our Lord and Master, as those who are a beloved disciples. So relatively quickly, we'll look one by one at each of these five episodes. The first of them is here in John 13, a passage uh, that we've just read uh, together. And I'm calling this John resting in Jesus' love. John resting in Jesus' love. We're here in verse 23 of John 13. We're told now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. The context, as we've said, is that of the upper room the night before our Saviour's crucifixion. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He is celebrating uh, the Passover with them. It is his last supper, as we refer to it, where he institutes what we know as uh, the Lord's uh, Supper. And Jesus has just said at the beginning of our reading, verse 21, we were breaking into a wider narrative, but at the beginning of our reading, verse 21, Jesus has just said to his disciples gathered there in that upper room, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And understandably, uh, the disciples are perplexed. Verse 22 uh, tells us of that. But John is leaning on uh, Jesus' breast. Verse 23. He is resting in his love. Despite all that is going on around him, as one who is so loved by his Saviour, he so loves his Saviour. Here in the upper room, as on other occasions, he is delighting in the opportunity to be close to Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to talk to Jesus, to enjoy fellowship with Jesus, to rest in the warmth of his love and in this he is an example to us if we would experience more of Jesus love then we need to know what it is to rest in his love to take time to get close to Jesus to listen to him to talk to him to enjoy fellowship with him to rest in the warmth of his embrace and we can seek to do that when we're on our own. When, uh, so to speak, we go into our room and we shut the door. We spend time 
alone with the Lord in the word and in prayer and in meditation and uh, the like. But we can also do it when we're together as a church. John is on his own with Jesus here in this passage. The other disciples are there in the upper room. And uh, part and parcel of our being together is not that we ignore one another, but in the context of, of being together, we know what it is to come close to our Saviour and to sense him a drawing near to us. Whether we're on our own or whether we're with other Christians, it's about making Jesus our focus, desiring to walk closely with him and seeking in real and practical ways to be refreshed by his love. So John resting in Jesus love. We move now from uh, John 13 uh, to uh, John uh, 19. And uh, I'm calling this John trusted with Jesus love. The particular verse where our desired reference is to be found is verse uh, 26 in the middle of uh, the chapter. When Jesus therefore saw his mother And the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Next verse, verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his home. The scene now has shifted. No longer are we in the upper room on the Thursday, but we are now at Calvary's cross on the Friday. Jesus is crucified and uh, uh, dying. And we have here one of his uh, famous words from the cross, one of his seven sayings, when he says to his mother Mary, woman, behold your son, referencing John. And he says to his disciple uh, John, behold your mother, referencing uh, Mary. And we often say when we come uh, to this text that How striking it is that the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the agonies of of Calvary is concerned not for himself but for his mother. That his mother might be loved, that his mother might be cared for, that his mother might not be neglected but that if he's not going to be there physically present to love and to care for her that somebody else will be and, and will do. But our focus tonight is particularly upon John, the disciple, the apostle. And Jesus here, he entrusts his mother uh, to uh, John. She's to be to him as a mother. Verse 26, woman, behold your son. And he's to be to her as a son. Uh, Verse uh, 27, behold your mother. And yes, this teaches us much about Jesus. And if we were just preaching this text as a text, obviously the Lord Jesus would be our our primary focus here. But in the context of our study tonight, thinking about John, the beloved disciple, we mustn't miss that Jesus entrusting his mother to John's love and care also teaches us much about John. That John was such a disciple as our Lord would entrust 
his mother to his care. That Jesus would trust John with his own, with his nearest, and uh, with his dearest. And surely we don't have to work too hard uh, to make application of this to ourselves. We're 2,000 years on. We're not uh, on the side of the green hill outside the city wall, whether it was green or not. And um, things are very different for us. But still we are Jesus' disciples, we are his followers, we are his people. We are those he has loved, we are those who love him in return. We are those who are to seek to experience more of his love, to go deeper, to rise higher. And to be the kind of disciples that he would trust with his own, with people and with activities. That we would love others as we love him. That we would seek the good of others as we seek his glory. And that we would desire to be faithful and also to be fruitful in his service. John, because he prized the love of Jesus and sought to experience more and more of that love, was the kind of disciple Jesus could trust. And all that we might be those sorts of disciples too. John trusted with a Jesus love. I'm turning over the page now in my Bible to go from John 19 to John 20. And I'm calling this John known for Jesus love. John chapter 20 and verse 2 is the particular verse that's taking our attention here. Um, We're told that Mary Magdalene ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, in other words to John, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Again, the scene has shifted. Not the upper room, not the... Uh, not Calvary's cross, but now it's, it's the resurrection morning. Verse, twi- verse 1 of chapter 20 introduces a scene. We're told it was the first day of the week, Sunday, uh, the first Lord's Day, the day of resurrection. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark, and, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then, verse 2, she, she runs, she comes to Simon Peter and to John, uh, and she says to them uh, with uh, uh, a note of panic in her voice, no doubt, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him the stone's been rolled away the tomb is empty Jesus body is gone he's in the tomb no longer and Mary Magdalene doesn't quite know what's going on to whom did she go Well, she went to John, not only to John, I grant you, she went to Simon Peter as well, who was very much the leader of the Twelve. To whom did she go? In one sense, no doubt, as she went to whom she thought she should. She went to Peter, she went to John, leaders among the disciples. They need to know. The stone's been rolled away, the body of Jesus has gone. They they need to know she went to whom she, she should. 
But I put it to you this evening that she also went, not just to whom she thought she should, but to whom she felt she could. She went to whom she felt she could. And among them was John. Because Mary Magdalene knew how much John loved Jesus. And how much John loved all who loved Jesus. How much John loved her as one of Jesus' followers. And she could go to John in a panic and in a distress and in her anxiety. And she could pour out her heart to him. John was the sort of loving disciple who would understand. John was the sort of loving disciple who would care. John was the sort of loving disciple who would be interested. John was the sort of loving disciple who would want to help. Perhaps Mary Magdalene felt John was the sort of loving disciple who would know what to do. And so she went to Peter, yes, and also to John. The love of Jesus manifested in John's heart and life and visible to all who knew him and had to do with him meant that he was, he was known for Jesus' love. And that was powerfully attractive and it warmed people towards him and gave him an effectiveness in their lives. Or oh, that I, or oh, that you, or oh, that we might be known for Jesus' love. That whatever else people may ever say about us, they may know and be in no doubt that we love Jesus, that we love all who love him. And that we might be the kind of people that people feel they can go to. Whether they feel they should go to us, or whether they feel under no obligation but they feel they can. People who understand. People who care. People who are interested. People who want to help. We can't promise always to know what to do. But very often, it's not about knowing what to do, is it? It's about people understanding. It's about people caring. It's about being interested I remember this isn't in my notes, but it's just come into my mind when I was on sabbatical 18 months or so ago and interviewing various long-serving pastors about uh, life and, uh, and ministry. Uh, I remember one of the standout phrases was uh, from, uh, from one of these older, older men. He said to me, we must always remember as pastors, people don't normally expect us to be able to fix their problems. They just want to know that we care. And that's true for all of us, really, isn't it? Uh, whether in pastoral ministry or, or whether, we're, whether we're not. As brothers and sisters in a local church family, and as we seek to reach out to others, by and large, people, they don't expect us to be able to fix their problems. If, if we could fix them, they could probably fix them for themselves. But we all need to know, don't we, that, that one another cares. And that's part of church family life. That we're there for one another. That we're the kind of people that 
People feel they can come to us. We'll understand, we'll care, we'll be interested. We'll want to help. We'll do what we can. John known for Jesus' love. I don't have to turn the page for the next one. Perhaps you do, uh, depending how your Bible's laid out. But I just glide from the one side to the other, from John 20 to, to John 21. And um, I'm calling this John pointing to Jesus' love. Uh, verse 7 is the key verse for this fourth point. Um, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. Again, the sea has shifted from the upper room via Calvary's cross the, uh, the resurrection morning, we're now in one of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. This John 21, which has sometimes been described as breakfast on the beach, where uh, the Peter and others have been uh, fishing all night and they have caught nothing. But the Lord enables them to uh, catch fish and then he uh, prepares for them breakfast uh, on uh, the beach. And Jesus appears back in verse 4. We're told when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples didn't immediately recognize him. We're told, end of verse 4, the disciples did not know that it was a Jesus. And uh, some conversation ensues. Verse 5, Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, verse 6, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. And then verse 7, John says to Peter, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. John hadn't recognized Jesus immediately back in verse 4 but he he did so before Peter and here in verse 7 as soon as he sees and realizes it's the Lord he's saying to Peter Peter it is the Lord he's pointing Peter who you remember had disowned the Lord denied him three times The night before Jesus died. Peter. John points Peter. uh, To the Lord Jesus. And those who. Are loved by Christ. And who love Christ. And who want to experience more of Christ's love. And seek to go deeper. And to rise higher. Are those who time and again. Quite naturally find themselves. Pointing to Jesus' love. So to speak, saying to others, it is, it is the Lord. We're to be those who point unbelievers to Jesus, aren't we? They need to be pointed to him, that they might see him as they've never seen him before. See him as the saviour they need, the saviour who offers himself to them freely. 
We need to point our fellow Christians to Jesus, pointing one another to Jesus. How easily our focus gets distracted and our Saviour slips to the side of our view. And and we need one another to be pointing one another to the Lord Jesus that we might constantly be looking to him, that he might be at the centre of our focus and that everything else might find its place around him. Pointing all and sundry to him. Seeking to have this resolute focus upon Jesus and his love. John pointing to Jesus' love. And I said there are five such references in John's gospel. We can't go to John 22 because there isn't one. So we're still in John 21. But we're moving on towards the end of the chapter for our fifth uh, episode John chapter 21, and particularly verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Just in passing, I think it's significant that in this last reference, um, reference is made to to the first reference, back John 13, where we we started. Um, John leaning on Christ's breast at uh, at the supper again suggests that these references are not just random, they're not just thrown in, um, but that they're, they're significant and there's something of a, a rounded a nature uh, a to them. The context here, the surrounding verses really, 18 to 22, um, Jesus, after the breakfast on the beach, he, he speaks with Simon Peter and the classic passage about, do you love me? You know that I love you, etc. As Jesus restores Peter. Wonderful verses, but they're not our focus uh, tonight. And towards the end of that conversation, words of Jesus to Peter, verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This Jesus spoke, verse 19, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus here prophesying to Peter the kind of death uh, that he would die, that like his saviour before him, he too uh, would would be crucified. Then, verse 20, Peter turns around, he sees the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who leant on his breast at the supper, and he said, and had asked, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter sees John, verse 21, and says to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What about him? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So if we were preaching about Peter from this passage tonight, you know where we'd go with the application. But we're thinking about John, so respectfully we leave Peter on one side. And I just want you to notice this in verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. He saw John following. Following. And it's significant that we have this reference to John following Jesus, sandwiched in between Jesus' exhortations to Peter to follow him. So Jesus finishes his or attempts to finish his conversation with Peter at his restoration in verse 19 with follow me. He said to Peter, follow me. Then Peter turns around, sees John, so he brings in this John. What about John? And Jesus deals with that, says, don't worry about John. 
You, verse 22, follow me. And sandwiched in between these two references, Jesus says to Peter, verse 19, follow me. Jesus says to Peter again, verse 22, follow me. Sandwiched in between these two, follow me's to Peter, we have this reference that tells us that John, verse 20, was following. He was following. Now, on one level, it's simply a reference to the fact that the disciples were around and Jesus was talking to Peter and perhaps they were out front somewhat and John and some of the others, they were, they were following behind. But I think it's more significant than that, isn't it? In the context. Jesus who's telling Peter to follow him. Here's John following him. Following him. It was Peter, Jack, who was reminding me on Sunday when we were talking about phrases in Scripture that can sometimes strike you that haven't struck you before. We were talking about how Peter was reminding me about how um, when uh, the Apostle Peter, Peter the disciple, denies Jesus, it's clear from the narrative that John, John had gone in there too. He hadn't denied Jesus. But Peter, Peter did. So normally in this passage at the end of John 21, the focus is on Peter and Jesus' exhortation to follow him. But tonight, for our purposes, the focus is on John and we see John following Jesus. I'm calling this number five, John resolutely pursuing Jesus' love. He sought to follow Jesus wherever he went. He even followed Jesus on that last night after he was betrayed and before he was crucified. And here at the end of the gospel, he's following Jesus still. John resolutely pursuing Jesus' love. Oh, that the Lord might help us individually and together to experience more of Jesus' love. That like John... We might be resting in Jesus' love, trusted with Jesus' love, known for Jesus' love, pointing to Jesus' love, and resolutely pursuing Jesus' love. May we be blessed, and may our Saviour have all the glory. Amen.